The festive season is here, and I can't think of a better time to be enjoying delicious cocktails with your nearest and dearest. So this Christmas, why not celebrate the Italian way with Malfi Gin and be transported to the stylish Amalfi Coast to experience a taste of La Dolce Vita, a lifestyle that is so rain. It's all about bringing your community together to enjoy the simple pleasures in life, like a great DMC around the table with your favorite people, gorgeous food and drinks, and feeling your most stylish self. So get ready for your festive hosting and head to MalfiGin.com to find your flavor along with plenty of dreamy cocktail recipes. There's no better way to enjoy a slice of Italy this Christmas. Cheers to that and enjoy Malfi responsibly. Hey, I'm Josh Smith and welcome to Rain. And I'm so glad you're here, babes. This podcast is all about opening up, having important conversations and celebrating successes, as well as overcoming obstacles to reign over our own lives. I love to chat to people and I always find things in these conversations to take away and use in my own life. So I really hope you'll find the same as well. Welcome to Rain. If you are as obsessed with the new Adam's Family series Wednesday on Netflix as I am, you are gonna love this episode with the queen bee of Nevermore herself, Joy Sunday. In her breakout role, Joy plays the siren Bianca, whose throne is rocked when Wednesday Adams, played by Jenna Ortega, joins the school. What ensues is a delicious rivalry, some epic one-liners, and a quest to find the identity of a blood-hungry monster. It's no wonder Wednesday has amassed over a billion watch hours in the first three weeks of its release and has become the second most watched English-speaking show on Netflix ever. In this episode, Joy tells me about how the show came at a very tough point in her career and how the role of Bianca ended up being the most empowering job ever. And she keeps it real by telling me about the gruelling training for the show that did not come naturally to her and it wouldn't come naturally to me either. Plus, there's a great rule to live by dug from the depths of Joy's teen journal and I absolutely love it. I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. And this is also Joy's first ever podcast recording. I feel so privileged. So I won't keep you from her any longer. Crowns at the ready. Let's rain. Well, hello, Joy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am so excited to talk to you. Not only because this is... (laughs) the final episode of the year. So this is basically the Rain Christmas Party. Oh, that's amazing. I love a holiday party. What kind of holiday party girl are you? Do you go full out on that dance floor? I'm always full out on the dance floor anytime I get the opportunity. (laughs) But, hmm, I love a good gift. So I love to bring a good gift, good wine, and a good dance. I love that. You're just... That's my trinity. You're just a giver. Basically. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to be. I tried to be. (laughs) I love that. And you have been giving in Wednesday. And I mean, this show has just gone bananas. Like, one billion hours of watch time since it's been released. 
which is just crazy. When did you realize the show was having such an epic impact? I think probably the second day that it was out. Um, I think for all of us, our social media started exploding exponentially. And so it was, that was kind of a marker of mm. a lot of good reception. Um, but I think, I mean, once we heard about the record breaking on Tuesday, um, that was pretty wild because it was under a week. So we knew we had done a good job at that point. Oh, you definitely did a good job. And I love how it took you up until that moment to realize you did a good job because you are so <laughs> good as Bianca. I'm obsessed. Oh, thank you. But I feel like let's take it back to the beginning of your Wednesday journey. Where were you at in your life when this character came along? <laughs> I was extremely frustrated, actually, as all actors might be when they haven't booked in months. Um, I was really anxious and really just confused. You know, it was during the pandemic, so obviously mm. I, you know, I knew there was a reason for it. But um, it was just tough because I had, you know, up until that point, done a couple of TV roles, and I knew that I was ready to really, really kick into gear. Um, but it just it just wasn't materializing. And so I literally had a conversation with my agent probably a week before the audition came in, just at wit's end. And then the audition came and within two weeks my life changed. So <laughs> that's where I was. Do you feel like it was fate in a way <laughs> that it found you at that point? For sure. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what craziness I would have gone into. <laughs> I had something not come come about at that point. Uh, and it was truly the best form of that it, that it could have come in. I've auditioned for this kind of character multiple times, actually. I'm always like some sort of witchy, enchanting person. And so the fact that it came in the form of Tim Burton's Netflix TV debut was wild. Yeah. That was... <laughs> You're just bewitching, babe. What can we say? Oh, thank you. <laughs> what was the audition like? Like, because it only took you two weeks to get the part right. So that is, that is wild. Because I imagined it would take months and months and months. Like, what was the audition like? Well, it did for everyone else, but they were down to the wire with Bianca. And so I, I, what happened was my manager sent me like a very long voice memo the night previous to um, me actually working the audition. And um, she just, it was basically like a spy assignment. She called me and she was like, or she sent this voice memo and she said, uh, this is what they're looking for. This is what you need to do. Like this, these are the points that you need to hit. But she didn't tell me what the project was. And so then I finally got the email and I saw it was like Tim Burton, Netflix, Wednesday or Pilgrim, whatever the code name was. Um, but then I saw the casting director and that's who really got me excited. I was like, there's no way I'm gonna end up on Tim Burton's show, but yay, John Papsidera. Um, and so that's who I did the audition for, really. And I'm so, so happy that's where I aimed. Um, because, you know, the audition, I, I tried really, really hard to make sure it was perfect. Um, and it worked out. <laughs> it did. What was the first day like on set? Was that a real pinch me moment? It was. It was uh, the first scene that I shot was our confrontation in the classroom our first confrontation in the classroom, at least. Uh, <laughs> and so it's such a beautiful setting in this terrarium and um, 
you know, it's just the, we were doing like the spider VFX thing, and it was it really it really settled in that I was once steeped in this fantastical world because, save for you know magical spiders, everything else was there. Everything was practical. Thing was practical, and so I really just got to live in the fantasy, and it was just like that for seven months. Mm. What was the peak moment from filming for you where you were like, this is, this is it. This is epic. I think the moment that I really, I, I mean, Tim was so welcoming that I always felt very confident of why I was there. But Mm. I think the fencing scene, which was one of the, like within the first few weeks of shooting was when I really felt like I, I made my place on set um after training for about a month it it you know came out into this scene that that me and jenna put everything into and we were so happy with the result um, but i was really proud of myself for learning a new skill and not letting whatever you know insecurity or or nervousness hide from the fact that i was i was you know trying to be bianca um and so that's the moment that really i don't know set the course for the rest of shooting mm. That must have been such a powerful moment to silence mm-hmm. any kind of inner critic you had inside of you at that point, right? Yeah, no, it was it was quite magical because we didn't get to rehearse together too much. Obviously, she's, you know, shooting almost every day or every day. Um, and then I had been training for most of that time, but we were practicing with each other's stunt doubles. And so I think the first shot of that scene because we did it full out the first time was probably the fourth time we actually got to work that choreography with each other. Oh my God, no way. Um, and so we were, we were waiting with bated breath when Tim called action and we went at it and it was quiet in the room and we did the whole dance and then he called cut and everybody broke out into applause. <laughs> Because we were all so nervous, like, what would happen? But we didn't mess up or anything. It was perfect that first take. And so that was just such a proud moment for me. And it makes me smile. You know, I still hear the applause. (laughs) I I mean, I was giving you the applause when I was watching it. I was like, you threw everything at that scene and the kitchen sink. (laughs) I was like, what? Like, and then when I was researching for this interview, I was like, I couldn't believe it that you were literally like, you've never even picked up a fencing. I mean, who has ever picked up a fencing sword? Because I can't say I have. But like, I was like, surely you were skilled in this beforehand. No, I've always, the closest I've gotten to a sword is video games. Um, <laughs> I really want to learn how to do the whole cool, you know, whatever martial art that is, um, wushu, I think. But no, that was the first time I've picked up a pointed object and had to use it on someone. So <laughs> for sure, it, it was it was very, very new to me. Um, but it, I, I took to fencing out of all the skills I had to learn, I took the fencing the easiest, yeah. surprisingly enough. Well, I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just says you've got a lot of skills <laughs> and you can adapt easily, which should go to the top of your CV. So perfect. That's what you want from life. Adaptable and great with a sword when needs be. And sharp. <laughs> And on point. And you are very on point. On point. As a queen bee. I mean, I love the fact that the podcast is called Rain, and I love the quote. 
in the show where they say that Bianca is the closest thing to royalty at Nevermore. Hello, get that crown. Let's have the coronation. Let's make it happen. <laughs> how did you access your inner queen? <sighs> wow, how did I? Um, you know, it was funny because during uh, when I was testing for the role for Bianca, I, I was on Zoom just like this. And I knew I had to just maintain stillness from up here, mm. but down here, everything was shaking like somebody had electrocuted me. Um, <laughs> so I think that kind of steeliness that I, 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 Bianca kind of brought that on to me, honestly, just being in the mindset of Bianca, I knew I had to forge ahead in, in confidence. Um, and I knew that she, had a, an act to kind of keep up. And so in a way it almost made, you know, slipping into that suit a little simpler mm. or, or a little easier for me because I knew she had something to hide. Um, and, and this, this persona was, was a guard for her and was protection for her. And so if that's the stake, then it, it made it a lot easier to, you know, keep up that, keep up that act. Mm. Has she given you more confidence in yourself certainly strangely enough this project is the most confident i've felt as an actor um and especially i it was really important to me to infuse you know empathy and understanding into bianca and i'm so happy that other people and audiences read that as well i kind of just imagined it would just exist in my head and everybody would be like oh she's the mean girl great um, so I, I've been so happy that what I was trying to put out there was received and that's really helped me in, in my, in my confidence and my, in my ability as an actor to, you know, to express. Mm. Do you think given the depth that you brought to the character, how do you feel about the criticism that some people have expressed about the perception of the black characters in the show? I appreciate that dialogue. I appreciate those conversations because I believe those, those, this, that kind of discourse has brought me to where I mm. am. It's brought Bianca to life. And I always think that there's room for improvement um, for any, any kind of characters, for any characters of color, queer characters. I, I think people should always have these discussions. That said, I, I think, you know, when it was starting to crop up, I felt that people's reaction was understandable. The knee-jerk um, reaction to seeing me go up against Wednesday, you have to, you know, raise an eyebrow and say, you know, what's going on here and really examine it. But I think people were more so reacting to the fact that they were seeing a Black woman be so confident mm. and so sure of herself going up against somebody who they're supposed to root for. And, you know, they, you know, not, not really understanding what to do with that. Um, obviously, you see Bianca grow throughout the series. And so if you stay with the character, you understand. And I think that's honestly emblematic of a lot of some a lot of things that black women can experience in life. Um, and so at the end of the day, I appreciate that people are talking about it. And I and I hope it continues, quite honestly. Um, but regardless, you had to, you know, walk with Bianca to understand her. And I hope those people were able to mm. get to that point. And there's so much relatability to Bianca. And one of the things I really relate to her was this whole idea of you put on this mask and no matter what mask you put on, you can mm -hmm. still be struggling with a million different insecurities at different times. 
How has your yeah. relationship with insecurities changed? What have been some turning points in you finding self-love for yourself and some things you maybe saw as flaws previously? Well, I mean, a lot of the things that, um, especially I feel black women and black girls have reached out and expressed that they love about Bianca is the fact that I'm dark skinned and, you know, I have these features that they're not used to have short hair. These are all things that I was made fun of for when I was younger. And so to have that broadcast as, you know, the most beautiful or the most popular in school mm. is really a, like a 180 <laughs> in my life experience. Um, but I have to say this journey of self-love started around that age when I was 13, 14. I had no understanding of my beauty, of my inner beauty as well. Um, and I would have to say going back home to Nigeria and then going to Brazil were actually two points at which I really encountered an appreciation for myself, an appreciation for my skin tone, um, appreciation for people who looked like me, um, for my culture. That's when I had that awakening. And I'm so grateful that I went to those two places um, and really was able to connect with a, a love for myself. I couldn't seek that in the world as, as it existed then, but I'm so happy a character like Bianca exists now. Um, and I'm not saying that's, you know, the end all be all of it, but I, I, I'm really grateful to have had those experiences because I certainly needed to arrive at that point by myself and didn't necessarily have that outside validation for quite a long time. Mm. Do you feel like you found a new sense of internal validation? Yeah, I, I, I take pride in my ability to, you know, give myself a hug at the end of the day. Um, it, it can be, again, you can't really look out into the world and depend on the world to affirm who you are. Um, but I, gratefulness is a huge part of that for me. And, and that gratefulness leads me to embrace the fact that I got through the day, whatever I've accomplished, even if it was nothing, I still in some way was taking care of myself. And I think that has been such a huge demonstration in love is being okay with the times that I'm down, um, being okay with the times that I'm sad. That has allowed me to appreciate myself holistically. I am so excited that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by my favorite tipple for the festive season, Malfi Gin. A gin from Italy inspired by the glamour of the Amalfi Coast. I love the festive season because it's the perfect opportunity to dress up. And this Christmas, Malfi Gin has partnered with By Rotation, the UK's largest fashion rental platform. They've curated an edit of the most stylish party wear for you to channel La Dolce Vita so you can look as stunningly gorgeous as Malfi Gin tastes. Just use the code Malfi on the La Dolce Vita edit and receive 15% off your rental on the Buy Rotation app right now. Merry Christmas and enjoy Malfi responsibly. You mentioned before that the challenges you had to face in preparing for this show was so intense, like the physical mm -hmm. training that you had to do as well. What did that teach you about your physical mm -hmm. strength and your reliance on your own physical strength? So much. 
Mind you, I, during the pandemic, like everyone else, decided I was going to go outside and jog around. And that did not last for long because <laughs> I've never been somebody who'd keep up running or so I thought. Uh, and so when we arrived in Romania and we had to, you know, wake up early to go row a boat with these really buff stunt guys. Um, and when we, you know, got to the gym and they were making us do push ups. I mean, I could barely do one push up. So. Exactly. And I don't, please don't ask me to do one today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Just even learning fencing and how my body took to it almost automatically made me rethink my relationship with athleticism and really have a lot more faith in myself. And so since then, I've been running. I've been long distance running. I'm hoping to run a marathon next year. Um, things that I really could not conceive of two years ago, I would have been joy. <laughs> The joy now that wakes up at 6.30 in the morning to go on a 10-mile run, two years ago, Joy would have called that demotic. I would have called the police on me. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm really grateful for Wednesday because it really brought a whole new chapter of just... I, I wrote in my journal earlier, you know, when the year was starting, that I really want to see where my body can go. And I'm so excited to do all sorts or learn all sorts of skills and really extend and have faith in, in what my, in how my body can support itself. Mm. And physical strength is so entwined with mental strength too, mm-hmm. isn't it? How do you look yeah. after your own mental strength and what have been some turning points on that journey for you? I've kind of been winging it, um, quite honestly. And <laughs> I, I know I'm supposed to you know be meditating and all that jazz. Um, Since, you know, that self-love awakening that I had as a teenager, I've always had very, um, I think, intense mindfulness Mm. when it comes to the world. Uh, I've developed quite a spiritual relationship with the world and appreciate everything, um, which is why I cry so much (laughs) a lot of the time um, is because everything has such a soul and a spirit to me and it makes it easier to connect with just even the smallest like pencil. I don't know. Um, And so seeing, seeing the world as almost a cast of, of things that make my life beautiful, just even when I'm sad, I, it just, I don't know how to describe it, but that's how I take care of my mind is, is really just imbuing everything with spirit around me. Um, I used to journal quite a lot more and I'm really hoping to get back into it in the new year uh, because in some ways overstimulation has helped me get through life and being able to look at everything in the world and, and contemplate it is in some ways very comforting for me. How long have you been journaling for? <laughs> As a teenager, um, I used to have to ride a bus, a boat, and a train to my high school. And so on the boat, um, it was quite romantic. It was a 20-minute ride. And, you know, I was type A, so my homework was done most of the time. So I had time to myself to just think uh, whenever I I was alone. And so I remember sitting on the train one day, coming back home from school. I think it was my sophomore year of high school. And I just thought to myself... Well, Joy, you know, you think so many thoughts and if you can't keep track of your thoughts, how do you keep track of who you are? (laughs) So I decided from that day on to start detailing my thoughts. And so my journals weren't necessarily like, this is what I did today. My journals were quite honestly, usually stream of consciousness. Um, 
And that really made me love myself even more because I really felt like I had a sense of what mattered to me um, and what I loved to observe and to take in and, and ingest about the world. Um, so I'd say that's where the practice started. And it's essentially whenever I do finally get around to journaling, it's quite usually very um, retrospective in that way. What do you think the Joy, who was sat on that boat, going to school, writing that journal, would say to you now, watching you on Netflix, you know, like, slay pilgrim zombies? Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to make me cry. Um, I, I think she always knew, as much as she had a lot of reasons to doubt it. I think she always knew it would, um, it would manifest, um, or become manifest. I uh, have always wanted to, I've always felt a lot of faith in my dreams. And it certainly was a dream for people to, you know, not only see my talent, but um, to see my beauty and not just, you know, outer beauty, but inner beauty and the beauty of all the people who have brought me to this point as well. Um, I think she would be so happy to know that I've maintained such a sense of self throughout this process. I think me and her would find each other very, very similar, <laughs> which might be a little bit cringy, but I, I think she'd be really proud and to know that I followed through. Well, you should be very proud of yourself because the way that you, like, amongst everything else, just the power play in that final episode where you just slayed the the zombie, mm. I was just like, yeah! Like, literally, like, screaming up and down. Like, how... That must have felt really good inside when you filmed that. Even though, obviously, there's some special effects, etc., etc. How amazing did that scene feel? Oh, my goodness. I think we finally filmed that scene probably four days into what was really my first official round of night shoots we had done a couple night shoots scattered before then but it was towards the end of shooting everything was really really high stakes at that point you know things were happening over in ukraine and like we were really trying to make sure we got out by a certain time um and so when we finally did that scene at three or four o'clock in the morning god bless jenna because they were literally throwing rain hail sleet snow on her wind everything um but it it felt like a triumph through all that challenge to be able to do that scene um, for it to be me and her um, helping each other. I It's almost a metaphor for the mm. entire process. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was beautiful for it to all, you know, come together. Cause that yeah. is one of the special messages of the show. It's about, finding your people, finding that sense of community, finding yeah. friendship, building friendships, even in unlikely scenarios. Mm-hmm. How much did that that friendship and that community on set really help you and push you forward? Oh, by miles and miles and miles, by marathon miles. Um, we leaned on each other so deeply because we were so far from home. And for a lot of people, it was the first time they'd even been out of the country. Um, 
And so we really, I mean, thank goodness everybody just took to each other. Um, and we found out very quickly that the fun we had with each other and the support that we had for each other would be what would get us through the experience. Um, and so that always existed quite literally from day one. And I mean, thank goodness they put us through so much training because that was an effective bonding experience. Um, Percy describes it as summer camp <laughs> and uh, it, it quite literally was. Um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't be happier that this was my first, that this was other people's first. Um, I, it'll always have a special place in our hearts. Uh, we'll see the, the Wednesday reunion in 50 years will be <laughs> quite the event. Um, cause it's, it's the start of so many things for, for everyone. And it's just, it's, it's so, it's so special that we all have this place in our hearts for each other to be able to look back and say, I, I, I can appreciate everyone that was a part of this. Mm. Well, I hope you're not going to make us wait 50 years for the second season. Because, uh, A, I will probably be in an old people's <laughs> home by then. <laughs> You're telling me. <laughs> and B. We'll be yakking it up. I'll be yakking it up right next to you. <laughs> we'll be chatting away, having a fab time, getting deep, talking about our personal growth. Be, we'll be journaling. It'd be great. Yeah. It'd be beautiful. <laughs> oh, finally. <laughs> but what what would you want to see if you could be in that writer's room right now them beavering away with all the post-it notes everywhere and you could walk in and be like do you know what I've got a plan what would you like to see happen in the second season I really enjoyed going head to head against Wednesday uh, I certainly think there's some more room for some snarkiness um, so that would still be fun uh, but I also, in that, would love to see us, you know, maintain this tension whilst also supporting each other, protecting our, our found family, um, and also, you know, helping Bianca work through whatever's going on with her family. Um, you know, there's obviously a big bad wolf in her life, and in order for her to really thrive, she would need to, you know, kind of get that off of her shoulders. So I'm, I'd, I'd hope to see all that happen for season two. Mm. So Bianca's got a lot of self-work to do. Also, hashtag bring back weems. <laughs> <laughs> we need to come back. <laughs> well, it's been so amazing talking to you today. And we oh, always end on this don't question. Tell me it's over. Oh, it's not over yet, babes, because we always end on this question and that question always is mm -hmm. in the reign of your life what is one rule you mm -hmm. always live by <laughs> something i wrote in my journal as a i think 15 year old um was i won't always need you but i will always need myself oh i love that do you feel like you've become your own best friend in that sense yeah for sure i always I always get me through, um, even even at times where I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I always know that I will anyway. Um, there's comfort in that. Have you always had that faith in yourself? Like that sense of that, I will get there? I had I had to. I had to. There was no way I, I couldn't. Um, my family is a family of achievers and and... My dad came here by himself to study in America and made this whole life for us and, you know, brought me to this point. And so it was it was always going to be that I would 
you know, pay my parents back for the life they afforded me. And that's, that's always been my number one, number one goal. So I, it has to happen. Mm. And it's happening. How much of an amazing feeling it's is happening. it to sit here and say that? <laughs> I know it's, it's really, really, and to, and to be able to say that with my passion being the driving force is, um, I know one extremely fortunate, but also two just poetically beautiful. Oh my God, that's stunning. I mean, Joy, you've been a complete <laughs> joy to talk to today. I love joshing with you. Oh my God, that is a cheers to that. Love that. I'm going to start cheers. using that in the trailer. <laughs> uh, I love. I'll make the trailer. <laughs> oh my God. Babe, that is the first time we've ever had that statement used on the show. What's everyone doing? Well, they clearly didn't understand the assignment like you did. Straight A's. Straight A's. <laughs> Queen B <Straight> energy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You want to kick me out because I will go on forever. The puns no. don't end with me. So. No, I love it. I love a pun. <laughs> Keep surfing them. Season two trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the one-liners are stunning. So why not throw a couple of puns into the one-liners for good measure? Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now starts my petition to get me in that writer's room. Yeah, because now we know that you're really great at puns. They're going to listen to this and be like, oh my God, let's get her in. Oh my goodness. But whoever writes those one-liners in that show is a genius because they are so good, aren't they? Yep, yep. I love this. So much fun. <laughs> Nothing cuts like a Wednesday one line. You're like, oh, bird. But yes, storing that in my phone until someone comes at me. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Just one second. <laughs> just wait one second. Forwards to my friend. I've just when had I a slight argument with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly, babe, you are amazing. And I knew you were going to be Thank great. You too. But you're fab. And also, quick question, you know, with the eyes, like with the contact lenses, how uncomfortable was that? It wasn't uncomfortable at all. I thought you must be getting through so many eye drops. I was like, an eye drop campaign must be coming your way. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, well, they took care of us. We had an onset ophthalmologist who applied the contacts. We literally weren't allowed to put them in ourselves. Um, really? So she was, she was there the whole time. Every time we had scenes, she was there. Um, if my eyes started getting dry, or if maybe like you know there was too much wind and my contact was falling out, she'd say, "Get Christina," and she would be there within thirty seconds. Sometimes she'd be there before I even called her. Um, drop, 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 and then keep it moving. There was one time where I literally like was halfway home before I realized the contacts were still in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you look in the mirror, and everyone's like, "Why are you looking at me so intensely?" And you're like, "Oh my god, they slid my eyes." <laughs> uh, well it's truly been a school day today I've learned more about contact lenses journaling, it's been so fab honestly oh, enjoyed too. it so much best way to end the year babes thank you thank you so much for joining me for another amazing episode of Rain I really hope you found something to take away from this episode and if you have let me know you can always get me on socials at Josh Smith Hosts I love to hear from you 
And as always, if you've enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe, or follow wherever you get your podcasts from. And more importantly, please share this with someone you think needs to hear it. Let's get those convos going and I'll see you next time.